Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 96 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. In today's episode, we'll be chatting about how we can become more vulnerable in multiple areas of our lives. Chastity Chandler joined me for this conversation and shared all kinds of goodies that I know you will love. Why is it so hard for us to actually be vulnerable? I think a lot of that goes back to the myths in our messaging that we received as it relates to vulnerability. Uh-huh. You know, lots of people tend to think that vulnerability is a sign of weakness and that there's a way to do life without being vulnerable. But before we jump into the conversation, I want to show some love to our sponsor for today's episode, Naturalicious. Naturalicious is the world's first vegan, high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products and only three. It's designed to reduce time spent on hair care and is proven to save up to 80% of time on wash day. Naturalicious was founded by innovator Gwen Jameer, who is the first and only African-American woman to hold a patent on a natural hair care product. These products are great specifically for busy women with curly and coily hair, also known as 4C hair, and they are all natural. They are sulfate, paraben, mineral oil, petroleum, gluten, and cruelty-free. So if you heard the episode last week, you know that I shared how using the Naturalicious products detangled my hair like a champ and allowed me to wash and twist my hair in record time. This week, I've been rocking that twist out, and it has been incredibly moisturized, defined, and it has continued to be less tangled than my hair usually is. I've used the refresher spray a couple of times this week just to give it a little extra boost, and the smell is divine. It's not too heavy and adds just the right amount of moisture. The Naturalicious products have definitely taken top billing in my regimen. If you want to cut down on the amount of products you use, and get some time back in your busy schedule, then I definitely recommend you give them a try. You can find the Naturalicious products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide, or you can buy them online at savetimeonwashday.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with Chastity. Chastity Chandler is a licensed mental health counselor, master's level certified addictions professional, internationally certified alcohol and drug counselor, certified sex therapist, EMDR-trained clinician, certified Daring Way facilitator, qualified supervisor for mental health counselors, and a certified Prepare Enrich facilitator for dating, marital, and premarital couples, and soon-to-be licensed marriage and family therapist and qualified supervisor for MFTs. She is clearly doing a lot. Chastity currently has a private practice in Florida called Center for Sexual Health and Wellness, LLC, where the primary focus is to create an environment that promotes emotional, physical, mental, and sexual health for all. Chastity and I chatted about what makes it so difficult for us to be vulnerable, 
how to be more vulnerable when you have no idea where to start, vulnerability in the workplace, and what vulnerability might look like in romantic relationships. If you hear something that resonates with you while listening, be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. And don't forget to share your takeaways from the episode with us in your IG stories or on Twitter. Here's our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chastity. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited because this is a hot topic. So we are going to be talking all about vulnerability. So Mm -hmm. I want to start with perhaps maybe what is like the biggest question that people have. Why is it so hard for us to actually be vulnerable? I think a lot of that goes back to the myths in our messaging that we received as it relates to vulnerability. Uh Uh-huh. You know, lots of people tend to think that vulnerability is a sign of weakness and that there's a way to do life without being vulnerable. Mm. And what should we actually believe about vulnerability? Well, to be vulnerable is actually, it's a strength. And then to be vulnerable is to be alive. Everything, every decision, every turn we take day in and day out is a sign of vulnerability. Us getting into our car to go to our destination, we're being vulnerable. Us coming to work and doing what we do as helpers, we have to be vulnerable. Putting ourselves out there for others to see is vulnerable. To breathe, basically, is to be vulnerable unless we're not living. Right, right. So what kinds of things do you think make it difficult for us to be vulnerable, especially like in relationships? Well, I always say that in today's society, we're very quick to get physically naked. And we're not quick to get emotionally naked. And I think people are fearful of being vulnerable in relationships because they don't want to get hurt. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, that's understandable. You know, Brene defines vulnerability as emotional exposure, uncertainty and risk. And I always say, if that's not dating, marriages, or relationships, I don't know what is. (laughs) Right. That kind of sums it up. And of course, we're talking about Brene Brown, who, if you've been following the podcast for some time, you know, we have frequently recommended her books here. You know, you mentioned that sometimes we are quick to be physically naked. Why do you think we perceive less of a risk kind of being physically naked as opposed to emotionally naked? I think because with the physical piece for certain people and certain mindsets, it's not that exposure. I mean, like physically we're exposed possibly, but it's not as much risk. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm having this encounter with you. Maybe you're my partner. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're someone that I want to go further with. Maybe you're not. If I tell you about what I perceive to be my weaknesses, the things that make me feel uh, feelings such as shame and guilt then you have a piece of me that I possibly wasn't ready to share. Whereas me giving my physical self to some has nothing to do with emotional connection. And so how do you think we can start to do a better job at that? Because I think there's a responsibility of us kind of making sure we're putting ourselves out there to be vulnerable. But I also think that we have to do a better job of like accepting people's vulnerabilities and getting better Mm -hmm. at holding that. So how can we do a better job of that? I think a big, huge part of that is being authentic. Brene says, if our vulnerability is the first thing I want to see from you, but the last thing I want to show of myself, we have to ask ourselves, are our daily interactions actually authentic? Are we keeping it real with our partners, our prospective partners, or in our everyday interactions as far as like interpersonal reactions? You know, are we truly being who we are? You know, am I comfortable with who I am? 
because I first have to be comfortable with me before I can be comfortable enough or vulnerable enough to share that part of me with someone else. Okay, so, being, so, so that's where the work really starts is kind of being comfortable with ourselves. So how do we start that work? Taking an honest look in the mirror. You know, who are we? I always ask that question. A lot of times people cannot answer the question of who they are without telling us what they do mm. or some, some token title, such as a parent, a wife, a husband, uh, a doctor, a lawyer. Who are you outside of all of that? What are your characteristics? What are your attributes? You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I think that it's extremely important in any relationship, on any level of relationship, that there's a level of transparency and that there's a level of vulnerability and also keeping it real with ourselves. Because again, how can we lend that to somebody else if we're lying or being dishonest about who we truly are and what we truly desire ourselves? So are there any kinds of activities or exercises that you might use with your clients to kind of help them to tap into like who they really are? Absolutely. Well, I'm actually certified Daring Way facilitator. So I actually use Brene Brown's curriculum uh, with my clients, whether it be individual or group. And it takes them through trust. It takes them through dispelling the myths of vulnerability. It takes them through what are your values? Our values truly light the way of what we do. And so if we are not in tune with what our values are. And if our life is not in alignment with that, we're going to be missing that ability to be authentic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the fact that the first step was kind of doing some of that work for ourselves, maybe kind of getting in touch with our values, really having a good understanding of who we are. So if you kind of get to a place where you feel like, okay, I kind of get a good feel of who I am, what are then maybe some of the next steps of being more vulnerable in relationships? Well, I think also knowing who your potential partner is, like not like when you meet them, I know who you are, but like writing that down on paper, you know, we're supposed to uh, manifest who it is that we want. Have you ever taken the time to write down the characteristics and qualities that you want to partner? And then also ask yourself, am I exuding these qualities myself? Because the idea there is what, that you would not necessarily be able to recognize that if you're not kind of living in that space? That could be, but also I think a lot of times we're wanting something and we don't really know what it is that we want. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we want this good man or we want this good woman and we want them to have this, 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 and this. And then when we realize it, have you ever really wrote it down? Do you really know what the characteristics and the expectations of a relationship, you know? Have you discussed that? Do you really want a relationship? Do you want a monogamous relationship? Do you want an open relationship? Have you thought about whether you're even ready for a relationship? How do you determine if you're ready for a relationship? You know, have you healed from past scars, past wounds? Have you dealt with your own baggage or issues from past relationships so that they don't get brought into this relationship? You know, have you really taken an honest look at where you are as it relates to being a potential partner in a relationship? Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think that there is a lot of work to do, right? And so I think when people are talking about like wanting to start relationships, they don't always understand like all of that stuff that you just listed and how that really impacts how you show up in the relationship. So I think the other part that you want to consider is You know, of course, when you are being vulnerable in a relationship, that doesn't mean that you are not going to get hurt or that your partner won't ever make mistakes. So how do you balance that? Like, how do you balance like wanting to be vulnerable and transparent with the fact that we're human and mistakes will happen and you might get your feelings hurt sometimes? So we want to connect with our partner. We have to be 
as I like to say, emotionally naked in order to get to that ultimate place in our relationships. But let's say you're not ready to get to that ultimate place or some see that as marriage, some see that as commitment. Uh, let's say you're in a dating phase and you want to get to know this person and you want to be vulnerable. Uh, being vulnerable with that person might be sharing a little bit, you know, or what you feel they've earned the right to hear you know, about your childhood, your upbringing? What are your ideals of how a relationship is supposed to go? What is your definition of cheating? These are all things that I ask people that I'm dating because I want to know, <laughs> you know, what are your expectations in a relationship? Are you a faithful person? You know, tell me the truth. Have you cheated on past partners? What was that about? Are you still doing that? Like, I think that those are all important conversations to navigate, both from ourselves and from our partners. I think those hard questions, the questions that make people feel uncomfortable mean you're asking the right question. Got it. So something that I think has been coming up, it feels like in a lot of conversations I've been having recently is around friendship. So we have talked a little bit about like vulnerability in, you know, maybe romantic partnerships, but what about in friendships? Because I keep hearing people saying they, they have a hard time like opening up to new people in terms of friendships because of maybe betrayals in the past. So what kinds of suggestions might you have for that? And I hate to keep going back to quotes, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Brene Brown quotes, which is also on my website is, if we share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame cannot exist. And I think we kind of set ourselves up for failure when we begin to share our story or tell about ourselves and a person hasn't earned the right to hear our story. Mm. Um, so a lot of what Renee's work talks about and the Marble Jar Friends and things of that nature is people become your friend and stay your friend based on how they're adding to the relationship. It's kind of like a bank account, right? If I continue to withdraw and I don't deposit, I'm going to have an overdraft. I'm going to have a negative account. Our friendships and our relationships are the same. It should be a balance. So a lot of times you will have people who are friends and they're the friend that's always calling a check on the person. They're the friend that's always there to lend support. They're the friend that always will have the other person's back. But when they are in need, is that person there for you? And it's not the big things. It's the small things. It's the text. Good morning. How are you feeling? I know you were sick yesterday. It's the things that don't take a lot of time, don't take a lot of effort, but it shows that that person really truly is vested in the friendship and they genuinely care about you. Not what they can get from you, not what they can get out of you, but they care about you as a human being. Right. And I know Shaltae kind of talked about the whole idea of a marble drawer when mm -hmm. we did the life after divorce. But for anybody who has not heard that episode, can you share more about this marble drawer that you're talking about? Yeah, Shaltae is actually my business bestie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she loves the marble drawer friends. Brene talks about how her daughter came and was telling her that she told her friend a secret. And then that friend told everybody in school and then she kind of asked her, well, do you have friends that you normally talk to or that you share these things with that haven't shared, you know, things before? And that's when she realized the person that she told the story to wasn't a marble jar friend. It wasn't the person that's been making those small deposits in her life. It wasn't the person who remembered her grandma and papa's name at the game. It wasn't the person who called Brene to check on her when she was sick. It wasn't those people. So she's told the story to somebody who she didn't really even trust instead mm -hmm. of the people that she did trust, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And so that's what you kind of want to be paying attention to in your own life is who is actually adding to your marble jar and not taking away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're really truly friends, because we all got the friends, we all know, we all know which friends to tell what to. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So you figure out who a person is, you accept the fact that they are who they are, and you govern yourself accordingly. It doesn't mean that I can't be your friend, but you just won't be one of my marble jar friends. You won't know what's going on in my life and I won't share important facts and topics with you. Got it. So something else I know that you talk about chastity and that you're developing new things is around like being more transparent and vulnerable in business relationships. And I'm wondering what that looks like, especially when you hear about, you know, like the hard time that Black women typically have in a workplace, right? Like that you don't know who you can trust. There are all kinds of microaggressions. What would this look like in the workplace for Black women to be more vulnerable? Again, I still think it it goes back to evaluating their relationships. You know, who's being vulnerable with you? Who is depositing uh, those trust factors? Who is putting forth effort to communicate with you, to have conversations with you. I'm an extrovert, so I'm a little bit different. I know I have a lot of business colleagues that are introverts. And so that's a whole nother situation. I can easily, you know, start conversation and make friends or make acquaintances. Some have a real hard time with that. Some have a lot of difficulty with that outside of just the trust factor, just building up the energy to go speak to someone or talk to someone. So if we're talking in the business world or we're talking in the in the office setting, just being observant, you know, whose energy seems to be more in line with yours or whose personality seems to be more in line with who you are and what values and qualities actually line up with your values and your qualities. Because again, I do think that opposites can attract, but when you genuinely find someone whom you know, although you guys may be different, you have core values that are the same. In essence, you're saying it is not necessarily for you to be like vulnerable with people who you have not kind of done an assessment with. You're talking really more about building more uh, transparent relationships with people who seem like they are worthy of that. Well, even minor deposits of vulnerability, I'm not going to just tell somebody about my life, you know, but if this person seems like they're receptive, you can always test the waters with something small not something huge, you know, and see how that works. Does that person go back and like that commercial that's out right now when uh, Sheila, I think the dude's names was Steve, Sheila and Steve broke up and then you hear the little, the animals popping up and telling everybody that Steve and Sheila broke up and it's all over social media within like two seconds. So we have to be careful what we share. You know, you want to be vulnerable, but there's no vulnerability without boundaries. That's not vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like then? What would be the goal? of establishing the relationship in the workplace? Is it just to have a common uh, denominator, somebody that you could talk to, to build a friendship on? Or are you doing it with ulterior motives? Do you have another agenda in mind? Or is it just genuinely you want to get to know this person? How do you approach this person? How do you let them know like, hey, I'm interested in getting to know the you outside of work? Because, you know, some people don't show up at work the same as they show up at home. Mm-hmm. For me, I am who I am in all aspects of life, everywhere that I am. You either love it or hate it, <laughs> but that's what it is. I've learned that I can't be controlled or consumed with what people are going to think about me. I have to genuinely be who I am. And those who see that and those who are around that, if they can appreciate that, then they earn the right to hear my story and to be a part of my life. You know, those who 
are genuinely not in connection or not on the same wavelength or the values and characters or morals don't line up with mine, I'm great with being acquaintances. But those who I become vulnerable with are those whom I find some sort of uh, similarities in their, their goals and aspirations or what it is that they're actually doing in life. So I know that a big part of Brene's work, and you've already mentioned it a couple of times, even as we've been chatting, is around shame. So can you talk more about like how shame shows up for us and how it makes it difficult for us to be vulnerable? Well, basically, shame is I am bad, right? There's difference between guilt, shame, humiliation, embarrassment. And a lot of times people mix those up. Shame basically exists when empathy is not there. So I always say and a part of who I am as a human being is being empathetic. So if you're around somebody who lacks empathy or somebody who is always talking about uh, discrimination, you know, being homophobic, you know, those types of things, a lot of times shame just kind of sits in that, you know, we have to learn to be open to having discussions about things that maybe we don't understand or we don't like, or, that don't make sense to us. But I feel like if we can do that and respond in empathy, then shame just doesn't exist. And so how does it sometimes show up, though, even in our like interpersonal interactions with other people? Well, could be gossiping, (laughs) uh, perfectionism, uh, could be harassment, could be bullying, could be teasing, could be comparison. These are all ways that shame could show up. Uh, in, you know, in the workplace. You know, I think it's just really important to know that uh, shame is a universal feeling, you know, and shame really exudes the sense of not being good enough, that messaging of not being good enough. And I think in my work with clients and with professionals, we just hear that constantly. That's the tape that that's playing in people's heads. And so if we, we are automatically non-judgmental, non-biased, and empathetic, I think it gives people the opportunity to see that I'm not bad. You know, maybe I made a mistake, maybe I screwed up, but I'm not a bad person. And then that allows people to feel more open and want to be more vulnerable because they won't feel judged or ridiculed, so to speak. Got you. So what are, are there any kind of important pieces that you feel like we may have missed in talking about, you know, like how to be really more transparent and vulnerable in our relationships? I think just putting fear aside, you know, it, relationships, business relationships, personal relationships, romantic relationships, intimate relationships, those are all things that can be scary. You know, all have decisions that we have to make, but doing it scared, you know, not letting fear overtake us and keeping us stagnant. Yeah, and I do think it's important for people to remember, you know, like fear is natural. Like we all experience fear, but it's really about can you push past the fear to kind of get to the other side? Absolutely, because everything that we truly want in life is going to require us to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's a risk in every move we make that it might not work out. There's a relationship, a business deal. You know, it may not work out, but guess what? If it doesn't work out, I can dust myself off and I'll learn from it and I'll move forward and understand that that was just a part of the process. So what are some of your favorite resources, Chastity? Like, and I know we've talked a lot about Brene Brown's book. So where should people start like with her stuff? Like if they have never heard of her and they're like, oh, this sounds good. I want to hear more about this. What book should they start with? Uh, The Gifts of Imperfection. 
Okay. Start from the beginning. The gifts of imperfection, that's a go-to. I almost feel like I should be getting some royalties as much as I (laughs) recommend (laughs) that book. But The Gifts of Imperfection is an amazing book. If you don't count the credits in the back, it's like 130 pages. It's an easy read. And it's one of those, if you've ever read it, you'll pick it up again. Because when things start happening in your life, you have to remind yourself, this is just a part of the journey, you know, and not let it break you. So for me, that is always, always, always a go-to. Her book, Rising Strong, is another one. Because we're going to fall and we're going to fail. You know, you can't get to success without failing, but it's about falling forward. You know, how do I use this failed experience or this thing that didn't go the way that I wanted it to? How do I use this and overcome it? How do I use this and come out on the other side as you were talking about joy? And so rising strong would be my next suggestion. And if we're talking about leadership, oh man, Dare to Lead is amazing. That's the latest book. So that's definitely what I would recommend for that. Okay. And any other resource? As far as relationships, um, my go-tos are always Dr. Gary Chapman, really big on his stuff and the five love languages. If we're talking about business, Brian Tracy is one of my favorites. And where can we find you, Chastity? What is your website as well as any social media handles you want to share? Okay. My practice website is www.centerforsexualhealthandwellness.com. You can find me on social media. I am at Chaz for Change on Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, I have a professional fan page. It is Chastity Chandler, LMHC, M-C-A-P-C-S-T. Great. And of course, we will include all of that in the show notes so people can find you really easily. Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Chastity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so thankful Chastity was able to share her expertise with us today. To find out more information about her practice and to check out the resources that she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com session 96. And don't forget to show some support for our sponsor for this episode, Naturalicious, the world's first vegan high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products in only three. You can find the products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide, or online at savetimeonwashday.com. Remember that if you're searching for a therapist in your area, check out the directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And make sure to visit our online store at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop, where you can find our guided affirmation track, breakup journal, and your Therapy for Black Girls sweatshirts, t-shirts, and mugs. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.